night, broadcasting from my bunker in the Blue Ridge Mountains. I am Dean Ledwig, and as always, my lovely co-host. This is Scott Dunlop, reporting from Lukenbach, Texas, in an abandoned missile silo somewhere deep underground. <laughs> oh, underground's best, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I want to welcome everybody to a 9-11 podcast. Uh, we are broadcasting on 9-11-2021. And I'd just like to thank all the service members out there who served overseas and for those who have been injured in the line of duty, thank you for your service and thank you for protecting our freedoms. And I'd like to thank you also since you are a veteran. Oh, well, thanks. Um, you know, I do it for uh, people like you. And I do appreciate it. And I don't take that for granted. Well, so it's time in the show to identify ourselves because we need to know what we are when we're doing the podcast. So here we go. Oh, great. I am a female traffic cone. I am a tree climbing barracuda. Okay. Uh, I might dry out. What the hell do I dress you as? Uh, guppy. (laughs) (laughs) Works for me. That works. I am a guppy. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm a phallic symbol that's female, so... Well, out here in Texas, I'll probably dry out uh, pretty quick and become sushi or sardine. Well, it's maybe? a good thing you're underground. Mm, yeah. Well, all right. Let's start the show with uh, a little tech news. Hello, IT. Have you tried turning it off and on again? So we start with our favorite guy, old Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, we love him. And this comes from CNET Tech. Hey, Facebook, take a photo. Social network smart glasses are here. Okay, so Ray-Ban is putting out some Facebook glasses. And they are not augmented reality glasses, Zuckerberg says, referring to the technology that places digital images on someone's view of the real world. They are on the road there, but these smart glasses just take 30-second videos and pictures. So it's Google Glass 2.0. Where could we go wrong with this? Now, I remember when Google Glass came out and people were getting beat up in bars, and they were calling them glass holes because they were recording everything with their glasses. Now... (laughs) If you're walking around recording everything all the time and these glasses are on your head and we already know the CIA did this and they were able to turn on your laptop, your phone, whatever, and record whatever was going on in the room. And now private companies are going to be doing this with glasses that you can buy. No, look, I'm a gadget guy. I love gadgets. Anything new out there, I usually buy it. Probably going to stay away from this one. Well, yeah, I mean, well, it gives you the legal ability to be super creepy. (laughs) You know, I mean, seriously, that's what most people are going to do. You know, most guys, especially, you know, between the ages of, say, 12 and 68, um, (laughs) you know, they're going to video and picture women. 
So they don't have to file it away in their mental spank bank anymore. They can just uh, they get have it on their it right glasses. There. Yeah, nice, nice. On Thursday, uh, Facebook Smart Glass under the Ray-Ban brand will go on sale online in some stores in the U.S. and U.K., Canada, Italy, Ireland, and Australia. Uh, yeah, 300 bucks for a pair of glasses that connects to Facebook. Uh, this is going back to old Zucky's metaverse, which is the virtual reality environment that he's creating. And uh, <laughs> here we Re- go. Ready player one, anybody? Yeah, what can go wrong here? What can go wrong here? Well, it just gives Facebook another uh, point of reference that they can download or they can record of you and use in their sale of your demographic information. You know, more pointed advertising, more, you know, I, I can imagine that they're going to have programs monitoring the things that you take pictures of and you record, like, you know, what stores you walk into, um, what, uh, you know, what things you're looking at, you know, and you stay on something for more than a few seconds and all of a sudden you're going to have that target advertising based on what your, what they perceive as your interests are. Oh, absolutely. And I did watch the interview with Mark on this when he made the announcement. And there's little red lights behind it. wonder how long before that gets hacked, before uh, you don't know that there's a red light going on. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, it's easy to turn off the little light on your, on your web camera for your computer. That's simple. Uh, so, you know, this, I'm sure, isn't going to be difficult. And like Alexa like Google Home, like a lot of these home uh, information devices that you can speak to. According to techrepublic.com, Google Home, like Amazon's Echo, is a Wi-Fi connected smart home Good job. <laughs> you, nice. said, you said off the CIA <laughs> listening device. I made your Alexa start talking. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard that, but when I, I mentioned those things, uh, his Alexa started speaking to me. Well, um... You know, those devices are recording all the time. They're listening all the time. We're told that they're not recording all the time. Well, if your new Facebook eyewear uh, fashion statement, you know, if that is, if they have the ability, they will use that for their own purposes. You know, and I'm not, I'm not saying this in a conspiratorial way. But, you know, I have been at conferences where I was speaking to somebody for a while. He and I have absolutely no contact electronically. We don't have each other's email addresses. His number is not in my phone. My number is not in his phone. But when I came home from that conference, I got an alert from Facebook saying, people you may know, and he was listed. Yeah, I've had that happen to me before, and uh, the thing that when I did a little more research into it, it was that the phone with Facebook on it and another phone with Facebook on it, when they're in general proximity and stay within a geographic location for a small amount of time, they start popping up as people you may know. So um, I know what it's doing. 
Uh, not really comfortable with it. That's why I uninstalled Facebook and no longer use it anymore. Right, but, me too. Um, I don't feel comfortable with somebody knowing that much about me and me having to figure out what they're doing instead of being up front going, hey, this is what we're doing. Because a lot of the, a lot of the services that I use... I try to look into them as much as possible, but there's so much stuff out there. I mean, how can you possibly do it? And if you're not a tech person, we're tech people. We can figure this stuff out. If you're not a tech person, you really don't know what's going on with these things. And we try to bring that to you folks out there and let you know what's going on. And there's nothing wrong with doing these things if you opt in. So if you're agreeing to do this stuff, hey, man, party on. That's your thing. Go ahead, bro. Do your deal. <laughs> I'm all about it. But if you don't know what they're doing, that's the one thing that you kind of need to watch out for because where does that line cross for each individual? Well, you know, when you install uh, State Messenger on your phone, and you have to click, you know, the permissions button, giving them permission to use your contacts, your microphone, your camera, your, you know, all the different features that your phone has. And you don't think anything of it. And, you know, I get it. I have no proof that they do any of this stuff, but you have given them permission to turn on your microphone and listen to your conversations. You have given them permission to turn on your camera without you knowing and take pictures, take video, listen and record audio. You gave them permission to do that. I know nobody realizes that. You think it's only for when you're doing something, but it's not. Well, just because you can, does that mean you should? That's the question. Well, and, and if you don't accept all of their permissions, you can't install that app. That's right. That's right. So you can't use their service. And where does that come into play? Well, there were a couple of cases where they've um, asked Amazon to provide information from Alexa in murder and assault cases. And that's good up until when that privilege gets abused well until they say the government says hey i've got a subpoena i want all the recordings you have from this address yeah and it gets into illegal search and seizure also all right well thanks zuck for one more way of innovating in our life uh i like that in gta 5 where it was like uh the facebook in that video game was Life Invader, <laughs> so <laughs> it couldn't awesome. be a lo- it couldn't be more accurate. Um, yeah, and in case you're wondering, my voice is a little bit different today because no, I do not have coronavirus. I have a sinus infection, but uh, <laughs> it, uh, it'll get I'll get over it. So let's hope my voice lasts throughout this entire podcast. We'll we'll see if it does. Uh, Next thing we have is chip crunch may last a year amid perfect storm. CEO says chips are set to remain in short supply for at least a year demand from car makers and other manufacturers and ramping up production capacity takes time. Said the head of Southeast integrated microelectronics incorporated. 
the maker of electronic components unit of the Philippines conglomerate Alaya Corp has already topped 2020 in order bookings this year as economy reopens. Huh? <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, here again, we're having these chip shortages all over again. And uh, I had to order a bunch of equipment last week, and I get a TBD notification on it. So chips are in short supply. Consumer electronics, here again, we're reporting on this. We reported on I think we've reported on it every podcast. Yeah, I know at least the last two, yeah. Yeah, and it looks like it's getting a little more dire. Um, well, now it's getting down to the point where even if they can produce them, shipments are going to be delayed because shipping containers are in shortage. Uh, shipping means are at a shortage. There aren't dock workers to unload ships and put them on trains and, you know, the back of semis and so forth. You know, they're it, like a lot of the country, they're having trouble finding workers. Yeah. What people don't realize is everything has a chip in it. Cars, planes, everything. It's got a chip in it. Uh, computers, consumer electronics, VR glasses, phones, all these things are going to get in short demand and the price of them are going to skyrocket. And I don't know if people out there realize this, but you can see it with gas. Once once it goes up, it may go down a little bit, but you have a new higher price every yes. time. Yes. And, you know, okay, when you think about what has chips and what's, you know, what this affects, <clears throat> those of you that remember Y2K, Remember when in 1999, when everybody was talking about Y2K and that planes were going to fall out of the sky, elevators were going to stop working. All those things that you thought about then, those are the things that require these chips now. Um, I'm not saying planes are going to fall out of the sky. They have chips in them already. They don't need new ones. But, I mean, granted... The Y2K thing got blown way out of proportion. I know I, made I was a lot of money during I, I Y2K. Really, oh my god, I did <laughs> all those um, all those tests that that I did to make sure that they were Y2K compliant. I yeah. mean, I made a ton of money. Oh, they were paying engineers like tons of money just to verify that their their uh, systems could accept a you know two thousand and one. Um, it was it it was a field day for anybody in uh, some of the lower level IT, uh, including myself. And matter of fact, the funny thing is it, it, it got so out of control. My mother, who's not techie, um, one of her friends asked her to ask me, will my commode still flush? Yeah, <laughs> well, it might, it might swirl in the opposite direction. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, the poles are gonna switch. Yeah, a lot of things are going to happen because it's now the year 2000. Well, a lot of those things did not happen. Um, there were issues, but very, very few, and they were very minor, and none of them came about like that. Here, what we're talking about now is all those things you thought about then, those things are being affected now, but mostly only new production. New production or fixing 
um, anything that's current that would need some sort of chip. Well, that's really what we have to worry about. It's it's not what you have. It's what you've got to fix. So cars and trucks and things like that that you need parts for that require computers, that stuff isn't going to get fixed. I mean, how many people have had to take their car in because it wasn't running right and been told, you know, okay, we have to put a new computer module in it? Well, now you can't. You may be, your car may be off the road for months. All right, the next story we have is Brazil's president banned social networks from removing some posts. President, oh, I'm going to butcher this one. <laughs> cool. Jar Bolsonaro of Brazil is temporarily banning social media companies from remo- removing certain content, including his claims that the only way he'll lose next year's elections is that the vote's rigged. One of the most significant steps in a democratically elected leader to control what can be said on the internet. Oh, sounds familiar. (laughs) What you can and what you can't post. Hmm. The new social media rules issued this week, effective immediately, appear to be the first time the national government has stopped internet companies from taking down content that violates their rules according to internet law experts and officials at tech companies. And they come at a precarious moment for Brazil. Mr. Bolsonaro has used social media as a megaphone to build his political movement and make it to the president's office. Now the polls are showing that he would lose the presidential elections if they were held today. He's using sites like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube to try to undermine the legitimacy of the vote. Following the playbook of his close ally, former President Donald J. Trump, on Tuesday, Mr. Bolsonaro repeated his claims about the election to thousands of supporters in two cities as part of the nationwide demonstrations on Brazil's Independence Day. Huh. Now, where are you getting that report from? Oh, uh, let's see. News around the world. Ah. So, yep. And that's that's in, it's still a te- technology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, the thing is, Brazil has become a lot more conservative in the last uh, several years, last few years, definitely. They got tired of, of the... Well, the corruption, you know. And the, the, inflation, is, the inflation is crazy. The corruption, the fact that the cartels um, control everything. Yeah. Um, they wanted more law and order. They wanted more conservative policies. They wanted lower taxes. They wanted all the things that we currently enjoy in the United States. Um, they wanted those things. Uh, they wanted some freedom, some liberties, things that they've not had in a long time. So... With this, I mean, essentially, all he's saying is, hey, social networks, let my people speak. Yeah, the cancel culture and we don't like your post. We're going to take it down because you say what we don't want, don't want you to say. We don't want your message out there because it's, quote unquote, dangerous. And who determines that? I mean, we have we have actual legal standards 
on what uh, dangerous speech is, insightful speech. There are legal standards to that. There's no such thing as hate speech. Yeah, it's calling for violence. That's that's out there. We already know about that, but it's already illegal. But there, you know, when we start talking about dangerous thoughts and you get the thought police involved and, you know, the right speak dictionary and things like that sounds oh, sounds a lot like 1984. It's 1984. It's the movie uh, Minority Report being played out. You know, where you're arrested before you commit the crime because we know you thought about it. Excellent movie, by the way. <laughs> hey, I come up with a good reference. I think that once came out in 2002. Yeah, somewhere around there. It was yeah. early 2000s. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> well, you know, this is similar to what Texas has been proposing um, with uh, the. Uh, banning or deleting of conservative thought and speech. And yes, I said thought on purpose because that's what they're trying to get rid of. Now, you and I disagree a little on this in that you think Facebook, we'll use them as the example, is a private company. They can allow what they want or what they don't want on their platform. To a degree, I, I agree with you. But once they start eliminating a certain class of posts, then they become more of a publisher and they're not just an independent platform. And even though they're a private company, they can be held liable for what they then allow on their platform. If they're disallowing certain classes of speech, then they have to be held liable for what they do allow. And that means everything that they're, they top 2 billion users. It's probably about a quarter of that that are actual users. Um, but, you know, if they're allowing certain speech and, and deleting certain speech, then they can be held liable for that speech that they're allowing. Well, I agree with you in principle, yes. But I'm just looking at the way the laws are written now. And since they are not a publisher and they're they're hiding behind that, that they'll get away with this for a little while until the laws are changed. And we discussed this last time on the on the podcast. And until it becomes that they're a publisher and they can be sued by libel and they are responsible for what they do. But but see, you get kind of in a into an infinity loop on that because if they can be sued for the things that are published on there and they can be sued for libel, then they'll control it even more because they won't allow things on there that they think are inflammatory. Okay. So, but you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's, well, it's really know, a no, it's really a no win situation uh, on that. You know, I believe that everybody, the free speech is free for all, no matter if you like it or not, if you agree with it or not. You know, the um, unfortunately, the, though, you know, it, it's not anymore. Even the ACLU, who I've not really cared for a whole lot over the years, but what what their mission was 
was something I fully believed in, and I supported them for a long time, even though I disagreed with a lot of their policies and what they thought. When the ACLU would defend um, a Klansman, even though I am not a white supremacist, I am not part of the Klan, I don't believe in their, you know, I, I, I got to say this as a disclaimer, I don't believe in any of their rhetoric, but the ACLU would defend the speech of a Klansman as protected speech. When they would do that, that let me know that they were across the board um, the true civil liberties union. You know, they really wanted to protect the civil liberties of all citizens. Now, it's no longer that way. They've become, quote-unquote, woke. Now, they, they also are starting to believe that, you know, some speech just shouldn't be protected. And they're going to determine what that speech is. Now, going to your point about, you know, social media networks and, you know, changing of the regulations, this is kind of a fortunate and unfortunate thing in that our government is a big, slow-moving ship. You know, it's really difficult to change laws and change regulations. Um, there's always pushback. There's always two sides fighting against each other for years before a consensus is, is brought forward. The other unfortunate aspect of this is that the people making these changes aren't technical at all. You know, they're... they're um, I mean... <clears throat> They're yeah. lawyers. They're usually politicians. Are usually lawyers or businessmen or something like that. They aren't really tech giants. They don't understand this stuff, and generally they're pretty old folks. Yeah, <laughs> and they'll leave loopholes. I mean, they're not they're not complete luddites and technophobes, but they don't have the knowledge to close up some of those loopholes that they will absolutely will uh, leave open. Well, most of their interns are the ones who read these bills. They don't even read them. They just get briefed on them. So anyway, well, there's that. And I, I hope, I hope that, you know, freedom prevails and that free speech will get allowed to be put out there. No, no matter how they brand it, whether they brand it with, Donald Trump or whatever because they're really trying to connotate some kind of negative emotion with this. It's it's a very slanted article. From well, that's, why I, that's why I asked uh, who the publisher was that you got it from. Yeah, yeah. All right, speaking of slanted, from the San Francisco Examiner, this is a great one, man. Talk about somebody who fooled a bunch of quote-unquote experts. Yeah. Listen to the experts. Uh-huh. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're talking about Elizabeth Holmes. So her trial began Wednesday. She dropped out of Stanford University to create a blood testing startup, Theranos, at age 19. Built it up to a $9 billion valuation and herself onto the world's youngest self-made female billionaire, only to flame out in disgrace after Theranos technology was revealed to have problems. Have problems? It didn't work. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, that's a little bit more than just problems. She sold a bill of goods to a lot of companies, including CVS, uh, that, you know, she could do all this supposed testing, this uh, de- uh, blood testing, with just a speck of blood, and none of it worked. And yet she still sold it, knowing it didn't work. If convicted, she faces up to 20 years in prison. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I remember hearing about this, and she sold them. They had the units in the CVS, and they never worked, and they kept telling them, you know, do this, do that. You know, they were on with tech support, and tech support's like, have you tried rebooting it? <laughs> but they <laughs> they tried this and that and had them uh, go out there and fix them, and it was just a big farce. The entire time, it was a big farce. So uh, the only reason I bring this whole thing is is when, when people say, listen to the experts, I think back to when... Uh, when they used to bleed people out, that was a medical procedure to bleed people out. If they were sick, if they had a sore throat, they would come bleed you every day. And eventually uh, you would die either from the infection or loss of blood. (laughs) Essentially how George Washington died. Yes, it is. Yep. So, you know, when, when we look at stuff like this and they, they keep telling us, listen to the experts, listen to the experts. What if they're wrong? They've been wrong before. I remember when the experts used to say that a, a cigarette a day was good for a pregnant wife. Mm-hmm. So, I remember when uh, my wife was 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 pregnant with our first son. Her mother still had the Doctor Spock's "What to Expect When You're Expecting" book from when she was pregnant with my ex-wife in the late '60s, and it actually says in that book from Doctor Spock the Definitive guide. Uh, it says if you're ever feeling stressed, sit down and have a glass of wine and a cigarette while pregnant. <laughs> Good old docs. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you well, call a doc? When- what do you call a doctor who was last in this class? What's that? Doctor. Oh. Yeah, they have that diploma up on the wall. It doesn't say their grade point average. It doesn't say their class ranking. It just says they have the diploma. And think about it, you know, today's expert in a year or two, actually even faster these days, it seems, there's a different expert with a completely different message. And most of them are self-proclaimed experts. Experts. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I saw a quote from uh, Elon, my favorite guy, <laughs> and he said, he said, just because you have a degree doesn't mean you're still not an idiot. <laughs> I'd like to hang out with that guy sometime. Yeah, yeah. Like that's gonna happen. We're gonna we're gonna do rockets. We're gonna do rockets and uh, and uh, yeah, we're gonna launch stuff into space. We're gonna give everybody internet and everybody's gonna drive around electric cars. It'll awesome. be great. It'll be great. Yeah, it'll be awesome. All right. Next thing I've got is strange tale of the freedom phone, a smartphone for conservatives. I don't know if that's necessarily right. I think it's a smartphone for people who don't want to be tracked. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of ridiculous because if you got a smartphone, you're going to be tracked. Absolutely. <laughs> if you want, if you don't want to be tracked, get a flip phone and get a burner phone. That's about the only way you're not going to be tracked and Pretty switch much. switch it out every week. That's about it. And know where that there are certain cell zones 
where it's difficult to uh, to track you based on your pings. If you know where those are in a flip phone, you'd be okay. Yeah. It was a pitch turned out to be politically polarized audience. Uh, Eric Finman, a 22-year-old who called himself the world's youngest Bitcoin millionaire, posted a video on Twitter for a new kind of smartphone that he said would liberate Americans from big tech overlords. Then came the hard part, building and delivering the phones. First, he received bad news in early reviews for a plan that simply put his software on cheap Chinese phones. <laughs> and then there was the unglamorous work of shipping the phones, hiring customer service agents, collecting sales taxes, and dealing with regulators. Yeah. I, if you I've, have a phone with a GPS chip, it there's no way to not be tracked if you don't want to be tracked. Exactly, exactly. This... In today's world, this can't be done. At one time, it was. Now, now it can't be. I mean, well, the, the only way to not be tracked is not to have a cell phone. I mean, it, it just happened to me. Um, a little over a month ago, I got a new SIM card in the mail from my carrier. Asked me to come in so that I get all the, the upgrades to 5G and stuff like that. So I did. Got the new SIM card put in. And um, about... A month later, I get an email from Google. Hey, these are all the places you have been. And it's got pinpoints on all the different places I've been over the last month. I was like, uh, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't ask for this. I didn't. I don't want this. But even if I unsubscribe from it and opt out and do all the things supposedly necessary to not have that happen anymore... It's still going to happen. I just won't know about it. It's whoever you're going to deal with. Um, there's, look, if you're if you're going to work in this world or you're going to live in this world, you have to have these devices. We're not saying that, but you know, just be aware of what what's being tracked. You know, if you've got an Android phone, well, Android is Google, and their main business is to sell your information. If you've got an Apple. They don't they don't do as bad of a job, but they still collect your information, your analytics, and they find ways to sell you other stuff. Absolutely. So, so these these companies that are giving away Android is supposedly free, open source, and it's based on free BSD, as mm-hmm. is Apple. Mm-hmm. Same thing, free BSD. It's a ver it's a free version of, of Unix. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of internet infrastructure runs off the same thing. Mac OS runs off the same thing. Uh, a version of it's a modified version of FreeBSD, and again, it's a Unix derivative, a free Unix that was invented in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. To so because Unix was so expensive, it was a free project, and Linux sprouted off that also which is free and open source. Right. Um, so when you when you think you've got this or that, the, the only difference is really Windows and Microsoft products, that is a product of their own. They created that product without yes. any other basis. Right. Except for uh, DOS. <laughs> that, that little different story <laughs> yeah. there. But uh, DOS was purchased by Bill Gates. 
um, after he had already sold it to IBM under a licensing deal. But if you are getting it for free, if they are giving it to you, you are the commodity. You have to pay for that in information. And there's nothing wrong with that deal as long as you know what you're getting into. As long as you're agreeing to that, then that's fine. And I agree to it. I've got an Android phone and I've had Apple phones and and I knew what I was getting into. Originally, it didn't start off that way, but it has developed into this. Absolutely. Um, I mean, think about it. How many times can you go to a cell phone carrier and get a free phone? (laughs) It's not free, people. Um, It's... it's, You are the commodity. You are what's being sold, your information, so that they you can get targeted advertising, so that advertisers will pay more money to Google, Apple, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, whomever, so that they can get their ad in front of your eyeballs. And they know pretty much without a shadow of a doubt, that's the stuff you're looking for. What I always find funny, though, is if I purchase something, say from Amazon, Amazon will then advertise to me the thing I just purchased. I'm like, that is just stupid. They're still working on the algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it for my tech stories. What do you got? That's it. All righty. Well, since we're talking about Apple, Tim Cook received a uh, now published open letter from Apple employees demanding a whole lot of changes. Now, I'm not going to read all the changes that they want, but what uh, I want you to think about as I read some of these, think to yourself, do these apply to the incarcerated Chinese workers that they're paying, you know, $5 a month to build their iPhones and their iMacs and, and different things? It starts off... Apple prides itself on its commitment to diversity, equity, and an environment where every person is able to do their best work. However, in practice, this is far from the case. Our experiences with the people team in dealing with the harass- with harassment and discrimination have left many of us more vulnerable. Now, I'm not sure what they mean by vulnerable. I think that's another overused word. But it says uh, Apple's policies on privacy and device linking also ensure that when we do seek recourse, we risk our personal privacy being invaded. When we seek when we seek leave or accommodation through Apple's mental and physical health partners, we are asked to release broad scope personal medical information to Apple and of any Apple's of Apple's agents for a blanket period of two years. Apple prides itself on its privacy policies, yet it feels as workers, our privacy is of no concern. See, when when you uh, work for Apple, they want you to have all Apple devices. They want all those devices linked together and all of them synced to the cloud. So now your employer knows everything about you and has access to everything you do. Who would want that? You know, I got to agree with the, the employees on this one. You know, I got to get on board with this. And and I don't know if how 
powerful their their policy is such that can you opt out of doing that? Do you have to do that? I know um, now this is a completely different field, but my cousin back in the 80s worked at a Mercedes dealership as a, as a, a car salesperson. And he bought a new Chevrolet Z24 when those were new. I think it was 1988. And got fired um, because he didn't purchase a Mercedes from the dealership that he worked at. Now, will Apple do that? I don't know. How stringent are they on this? Well, it's always the more woke type companies that in the background, they have the more more draconian rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. So they are, are still a company, even though they may want to portray themselves as very social justice warrior type companies, when you actually go into them, you figure out that they're only putting that on the outside. On the inside, it's a little bit different. And so they preach all these human rights things. And, well, Nike being the biggest one with last year's Black Lives Matter and all this other stuff that they were doing. But Mm -hmm. in China, they've got slaves working for them. Exactly. So, you know, they preach human rights just as long as you don't look over here. As long as we can keep you distracted, we'll do whatever we want. Don't look at what we do. Look at what we say. And that's where we get into gaslighting. It's like, don't look over here. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. no. Right. What, whatever you're seeing, that's not really what's happening. Like the gentleman with the riots that was saying mostly peaceful protests while the buildings were burning down behind him. Yeah. It's like, oh, they were mostly peaceful. It's all good. It's all good. Oh, don't mind these burning buildings behind mm-hmm. me. It's all great. It's yeah. all great. If it's not in our press release, then it's not really happening. Um, yeah, I mean, the workers, it says uh, Apple workers are aggressively encouraged to sync their personal iClouds to their devices. This has resulted in many workers' personal data being expected to be searchable by Apple per their policies. Their policies say that they have no reasonable expectation of privacy. That's belittling. And it says here, it's a belittling policy that denies all workers the benefit of the doubt, and a sense of safety and trust in the workplace. Written policy should reflect that cause is needed and will be provided for any search and seizure and inform workers of their right to an objective third party to determine what can be searched to allow for redaction of digital materials. You know, um, I think they're perfectly reasonable in, in that demand. Now, Here's the one that I had fun with and wonder if this applies to their Chinese workers. Provide transparent, livable, equitable, and fair compensation across (laughs) all of Apple. Give candidates and current workers a transparent look at salary or hourly ranges per role, per organization, and within AppleCare and Apple Retail per market to help empower them to negotiate fair wages. So they want Apple, first first of all in this, they want Apple to essentially let every employee know what everybody else makes. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, 
And the minute that I find out that the guy standing next to me is making a dollar an hour more than I am, I'm going to be pissed. Well, what you read is technically true because they're not talking about their subcontractors, which is Foxconn. Foxconn really builds their equipment, which is a subcontractor. And they put nets around their campuses so that the workers that are overworked for pennies on the dollar, when they do decide to kill themselves because they are so stressed out, Mm -hmm. that the nets catch them so they don't splatter on the ground. Well, yeah, I mean, that's actually that's kind of happening in China right now with their uh, 996 uh, worker policy, which is working from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week. People are killing themselves over this, dying, literally dying of exhaustion. Um, now, I'm not saying that's Apple people. This is mostly technology people in China. But um, also, <clears throat> following what I just read about negotiating fair wages, it says, audit all promotions and performance reviews for gender, racial, disability, and heteronormative biases that may lead to (laughs) wage gaps and a lack of opportunity and compensation within the company in each part of it. Provide a transparent, I love this transparent thing, provide a transparent feedback loop into how these issues will be addressed long-term within the scope of inclusion and diversity. Audit all wages per geographic area including including hourly retail roles, um, the ones that are above the living wage calculated for that area, provide benefit package parity to all hourly and salary workers working more than 20 hours a week. So now um, uh, apparently they don't believe in meritocracy. And that's kind of out of fashion right now, which I do not understand. I don't care what your race, your sexual preference, race, gender, I, none of that matters. If you're better at a job than I am, you should be the one promoted and vice versa. Equal and, outcome. Uh, Equal outcome. It's That's, equity, not equality. Nice. Yes, yes. Everybody should get paid the same no matter how good they are. So nobody should shine. Everybody should get paid the same. Pretty much sounds like government. Oh, it sounds like uh, 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 Atlas Shrugged in their Directive 10289. Um, and I'll talk about that in another episode because that's, that's going to be a long, drawn-out process. But one of my favorite novels, and it's actually a little cheesy, but it's it was made into three movies that are uh, they're pretty good. Uh, it's definitely worth watching and or reading. Uh, I would prefer reading. Because you get a lot more out of it. But the movies are, you know, like I said, three movies that are pretty good to watch. All right. Anything else on tech news? Oh, um, well, a lot of this uh, came out from Apple because of uh, some people who have been fired recently who are now suing Apple because they've gotten permission. I didn't know you had to have permission to sue for wrongful termination. Apparently in California you do. But um, this uh, this engineer, uh, uh, Jovic, 
she tweeted out, because that's how we do everything now, uh, Apple has an internal culture of surveillance, intimidation, and alienation. Uh, she tweeted that out because she's been fired. Now, the grounds on what she was fired have not been released, but uh, apparently she believes she was wronged. In other tech news, China, because that's where a lot of this comes from, China now has a policy on gamers. Uh, if you were a minor, so anybody under the age of 18. Oh, I thought it was a guy who was uh, underground. <laughs> uh, depends on where you're at. <laughs> yeah. It could be both. But um, I'm underground, but I'm not considered a minor. No, no, not even close. Uh, but uh, in China, if you're a minor, you can only play video games, online video games, three hours a week. One hour from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m., Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then also one hour on national holidays. This isn't going to work at all. Yeah. it's it's um, one, one guy said that uh, the kids will just buy... Um, buy accounts off accounts, adults. Yeah, accounts from adults. Yeah. You know, because... Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it says, what does it say here? China has forbidden under 18s from playing video games for more than three hours a week. A stringent social intervention that it said was needed to pull the plug on a growing addiction to what was once described as spiritual opium. Wow. That's one way of looking at it, but I can see that. This is going to create an entire underground of people and sort of a resistance against this because if people are addicted to it, they're going to do it anyway. I mean, it's, it's like the gun debate, and they say if we make guns illegal, gun violence will stop. Well, maybe we should make heroin illegal. Oh, oh wait. It is, <laughs> and people are still addicted to heroin. So, yeah, this is they. this is a stand... And I understand why they're doing it, but, you know, growing up as a kid in the first gaming generation during the 80s with Atari and Pong, I mean, I remember seeing Pong, I guess it was 79 or something like that, the first time I'd ever seen it, and then going to the Atari 2600, and then on to TI-99-4A, and then Commodore 64, and then on to PCs. Gaming basically gave me my career in IT. Yeah, me too. Well, the first thing I ever did, I had a Commodore VIC-20, which is the predecessor to the 64. And in BASIC, I wrote uh, Space Invaders. Mm. I did did skiing, which, which, uh, man, that was a waste of time. But yeah, yeah. I I, I did uh, essentially a copy of Space Invaders. And the problem was I couldn't save it. Yeah. So it was around 20,000 lines of code. It was huge. Mm -hmm. And um, it wasn't 20,000, but it was a lot. And I would have to rewrite it every time I wanted to play. And I would do that Mm -hmm. every single time. Nice. Nice. Yeah, the good old days. Um, (laughs) Well, the Chinese, well, in comparison to the good old days, uh, in 2021... The Chinese gamer market is expected to be $45.6 billion. Wow. If you start limiting these kids from being able to play, that's going to 
tank market share for a lot of these companies like Alibaba, which I mean, if ever there was a company that was a monopoly is this one, uh, but they're in China and you know, the government I'm sure is getting their cut from them. <clears throat> but they do everything from wholesaling to gaming to, you know, high tech to stealing our information and, you know, doing with it what they please. Well, they're basically the Amazon of China. Pretty much. Yeah. And they're also the wholesaler to the United States for a lot of uh, products that we get from China. And I will kind of mark their Chinese controlled by the Chinese government. Everything is over there. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that, um, you know, a lot of people were absolutely complaining about this, but one of the gamers, a 17-year-old kid, said, well, you know, it is my senior year of high school, so I should probably be doing more schoolwork anyway. So it's probably a good thing. Imagine any American kid saying that about, Amer about yeah. video games <laughs> or about school at all. Could he be a plant? Mm, maybe. Could be. But then again, in a brainwashed society the way China is, it could be, it could be absolutely true. Yeah, that's true. Well, they're really not want, they really want to stay ahead with their education and they look at us like idiots and uh, I mean, it could be right. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's not hard to look at some of us like idiots. Um, I'm often looked that way, looked at that way. Well, when you're 40 years old and you're still sitting at home in mom's basement eating hot pockets and playing Call of Duty, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> when I got all these points, man, all these weapons. Yeah, look at this paint job I got on my gun, man. It's awesome. <laughs> All right. Lastly, in tech news, uh, I just found out about something called Operation Starfall. It's a bill in Congress uh, that Maria uh, Salazar from Florida's 27th District has put forward with, uh, what, Michael Waltz and Claudia Tenney, all three Republican uh, Congress people. And what it is, is, uh, how does it say it here? This bill implements uh, Operation Starfall, a strategic plan to provide access to wireless communications abroad and ensure we are ready when blackouts occur, disaster strikes, or when rogue regimes shut down internet access. This is critical to protecting the safety and well-being of American citizens at home and abroad. She says the Biden administration refused to help the people of Cuba when they needed it most. So Congress must act to ensure we have a clear strategy to deploy in a time of crisis. Uh, we cannot stand by when tyrants shut off the lights and when American security is at risk. With Operation Starfall, we can improve homeland security and be at the ready to restore the internet, freedom, and prosperity for those in need. Essentially, it is what it is is uh, low Earth orbit uh, satellites and weather balloons and um, other mechanisms to ensure connectivity to the internet uh, and communications, so that you know if there's a, a blackout of some sort. 
there's still going to be connectivity allowed and available to whomever needs it. Well, it makes sense. I mean, we've become so dependent on the Internet as a means of communications, and we really don't have a backup for it as a whole. I mean, the Internet is supposed to be self-healing node-to-node, but we do have entire backbones that carry most of the Internet, and if that went out, we wouldn't have any at that point. And I know that the cell phone company has been doing this for years, and hurricanes, they'll have mobile sell stations that mm-hmm. they can drive out and run up an antenna and then get cell phone communications up. Um, it only makes sense that we do this for the internet too. I wonder if they'll be having Elon help out with this. I would imagine so. Um, they don't talk about it directly, but I mean, he's already been doing some of this stuff, you know, and, and at least testing it out. This is one of the initiatives he's he's put forward. Um, I like she she's not a big fan of uh, the Biden administration apparently, but uh, who again, is <laughs> exactly yeah, exactly? Uh, she says the Biden administration failed when the Cuban people needed their solidarity the most as they took to the streets to oppose the country's communist regime. Congress must now step up to fill the void in leadership from the White House and provide the people of Cuba and elsewhere in the world access to information and communication that their governments refusal to, that their governments refuse to allow you know and and I get it um, a government we we just saw it with Cuba and we've seen it elsewhere at different times China has done it many times with total blackouts of at least certain portions of the internet the Cuba cut it completely uh, and, and, you know, it doesn't matter the regime. If they're doing that to their people, you know, there's information that needs to get out that can't. And every country in the world has Americans in it. We need to at least, at a minimum, allow those Americans to communicate outward from those countries. Yeah. But uh, I think this is a good, you know, a good first step, if nothing else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we definitely need a backup to our communications for sure because I think, you know, our that's one of our most vulnerable infrastructures that we have right now is our internet connectivity. And really, if we look at it, if, if you look at it from a case-by-case basis, it is really just a mismatch of patchwork. You can go to different cities and get different speeds and different expectations of connectivity, and you never know until you move into an area. I know a lot of people that will not move into an area unless they have communication connectivity. Mm-hmm. They just won't do it. So, you know, it's become a, it's, it's almost saying that if you don't have electricity in an area, you're not moving there. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's become a... Uh a uh, necessary utility at this point. Uh, You know what just occurred to me is Apple is going to be coming out with their new iPhone. It happens every September. They'll be coming out with their new iPhone and and a new, and we've been hearing is a new iWatch Mm -hmm. that will also monitor your blood pressure and somehow your blood sugar. Uh, How that's happening, I'm not sure. 
But also... Vampire watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a watch that actually plugs into your skin. Uh, you can't take it off. No, but... So, with this new rollout of their new iPhone, there's been talk that it's going to have satellite communication as well. Mm. So, there's a few things involved here. One, how much is it going to cost for the satellite, you know, if you have to use the satellite communication... Number one. Number two is this being worked out in conjunction with Operation Starfall so that Apple will have, you know, first access uh, in communications to these satellites. But more importantly, most importantly, what just I was just thinking about this just now. If the iWatch will monitor your blood sugar and your blood pressure... And whatever else, whatever other kind of health statistic it can do, whose information is that? Does that belong to you? Does that stay with you? Or does that now belong to Apple? And it can now sell that to insurance companies. And now belongs to Apple. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, think twice before you start getting these, the newest and greatest gadgets out there because think about it what new can really come out from an iphone if it's still the same it's a little bit bigger it might be a little bit faster but they really haven't come out with anything revolutionarily new in some time it's always the camera okay how many megapixels can you fit you know and and you know they've already got the camera with the, you know mine i have a, uh, a galaxy s20 and it's got three lenses and takes amazing pictures yeah but see what you don't understand is i have the galaxy 21 ultra which takes better pictures so that makes me more superior than you and i can oh. virtue signal because of my phone because i have the latest and greatest gotcha and then, you know, if you try to upload that somewhere or have it printed and don't really know what you're doing, it's going to come out the size of your wall. Look, that's, look, it's all marketing. That's why they have lines around Apple stores waiting for the newest to come out. That way somebody can say, I've got the newest and I've got the greatest. Uh, one thing about Apple stores, you do not have to be a genius to work at the Genius Bar. <laughs> That's obvious. Because all they're going to tell you to do is reload your Mac. I I, I was at uh, a Best Buy a few months back, and somebody asked me if they I'm could... I'm sorry. Yeah, somebody asked if they could... I needed uh, an internal hard drive. Uh, so I just went up there and grabbed one. And uh, somebody asked if they could help me, and I said, no, I'm good. And he tried to explain to me specs and, and different things, and so I talked right back to him about... You know, write speeds and read speeds and pass throughs and, uh, you know, caching and, and so forth. And the glaze that went over his eyes was funny because he had no idea what I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Good old Best Buy. Yeah. But that's all I have for tech news. And now for the butthurt report. So this is a new segment that we're going to do. 
Uh, I don't have a theme song for it, so <laughs> that's as good as you're going to get this there's, week. There's going to be farting involved. Yeah, yeah. It's still a work in progress, so we'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll test it out on you guys. You guys will be the guinea pigs. <laughs> um, the first off I have is uh, Larry Elder, which is which is the man out there trying to um, be governor. It Well, if the recall election works, he'll be the governor of California. Right. And Larry Elder is a African-American gentleman. Yes, but also a white supremacist, apparently. Well, that's where I was, that's where, kind of where I was going to with that. It was, uh, Larry Elder is a black white supremacist. Okay, explain that one to me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was egged by a white woman Mm -hmm. who called him a white supremacist, Mm -hmm. a white woman. Yes. Calling a black man a white supremacist. But did you see what the white woman was wearing? Uh, it was a... A black ape mask. Yes. So... But that's not racist. Yeah, it's not a racist when it happens to a Republican, I guess. Uh, apparently. Yeah, it can only be racist if it happens to a Democrat. So. Probably, probably the daughter of uh, middle-class white people. Probably. Probably. They're the worst. So, what's the butt hurt on this? Well, obviously, the butt hurt is on the white woman who decides she's going to egg a man that's walking through the streets. Hmm. Yeah. It's, <laughs> the uh, here again, we call we call gaslighting on this. You know, yeah. Something. Oh, yeah. If you're going to say that a black man is a white supremacist, and you actually believe that. What is wrong with you? That's that's what gets me is people that will say things like this and and they truly believe what they're saying. You know, this is brainwashing at its finest. You know, that it is uh mental abuse. Yeah, yeah, it truly is. It's it's mental and emotional abuse. Um maybe some I don't know if Stockholm syndrome really applies, but I, I think that's kind of the way it goes you know it kind of you know people get involved in these echo chambers that then they get i guess stockholm stockholmed into uh falling in lockstep with this stuff and then they start believing these things that are just outrageously stupid well in the term is not some kind of you know termed gaslighting is not some republican term this came from a play where a man kept turning down the lights in the house it, that happened to be, you know, this was, I guess, during the 1800s, mm-hmm. or early yeah. 1900s, where he kept turning down the the wicks in the land, lamps and turning them down. And she was, she was always telling him, is it darker in here? He'd be like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. Trying to drive her crazy. Right. And so... You know, it's it's basically when you see something with your own eyes and you make your own judgment and you see it, oh, a car just crashed and somebody comes up and goes, what car just crashed? There's no car crash there. No, I'm looking at it. No, there's no car crash here. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It must be just your perspective. <laughs> and so, folks, that's what gaslighting is. Right. And, and if you're having that in your personal relationships where... 
where uh, your husband or wife is like, no, I'm not cheating on you. Well, what about all these naked pictures on your phone? Oh, that's nothing. That's just the guy sending some stuff around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're just friends. Of course. <laughs> yeah, might want to look at that, folks. Yeah, all my friends show me pictures of their boobs. But, yeah, I don't know where they expect us to believe that. You know, if you're in an echo chamber and you're not using your own good judgment and you're tribalistic and you're going to believe whatever your side says, no matter how ridiculous it is, then I guess you deserve to be fooled. Well, it, it goes along the same lines as the ends justify the means. Yeah. I'll get what I want regardless. Exactly. All right, next part on the butthurt report. Yes, sir. China bans, quote, unquote, not my words. This is the report. Sissy, effeminate men (laughs) from TV in new media roles. Yeah, I was going to talk about this. Um, Go ahead. What do you got? Well, (laughs) it's... uh, Hmm. <laughs> How can I do this without getting in trouble? Um, look, you can go either way with this. My kind of my view on it is um, this is kind of where we're going on banning. I mean, you could say white men, mm-hmm. wh- white masculine men, toxic masculinity, well, toxic, toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah. You, you can you could say this on our side. We're kind of doing the same thing. Well, we're going we're going more woke, and China's going more anti woke. Yeah, yeah, and both of them are wrong. Yeah, absolutely, both are wrong. Yes, uh, nobody should be singled out just because they're one thing or another and you shouldn't be made to conform to whatever quote unquote social norms are at that point. That's, that's not what freedom's about. Freedom is about being whoever you want to be as long as you're not hurting anybody else. Exactly. And so I can, the, the problem is, is nobody's getting butt hurt over this. Well, um, you know, I'm wondering what Disney's going to do. Because Disney does a lot of work in China, number mm-hmm. one. Number two, half of their movie revenue, over half of their movie revenue comes from China. Um, they've created a way for Americans to apologize to China for what Chinese government officials have called uh, derogatory statements like calling Taiwan a country. Yeah. Crazy. Mm, strange. But yeah, I have... Um, now, I'm going to read this from the AP. Mm-hmm. So I'm not... You know, this is not some conspiracy website. This is not... Uh, these are not my words. This is straight from China. It says, President Xi has called for a national rejuvenation with tighter Communist Party control of business, education, culture, and religion. Companies and the public are under increasing pressure to align with its vision for a more powerful China and a healthier society. Ready for this? Broadcasters must resolutely put an end to sissy men and other abnormal aesthetics, the National Radio and TV Administration said. Using an insulting slang term for effeminate men, Nyang Pao, 
or literally girly guns. <laughs> well, going along with that, uh, China's new broadcast standards was part of Jing's national rejuvenation program with the Communist Party targeting its control over culture, education, business, and religion. Mm, sounds a little familiar. Well, it says it reflects official concerns that Chinese pop stars, influenced by their sleek, fashionable look of some South Korean and Japanese singers, uh, are failing to encourage China's young men to be masculine enough. Mm. Well, there you go. Control. By the government, so get the government you de- you deserve. Exactly, and I think every country has the government government they deserve, mm-hmm. including us. Uh, you have what you put into office. Yep, that's it. Well, that's a butthurt report for this week. I'm sure we'll get more, um, and we'll we'll do this with more celebrities and things like that. But oh yeah, it's gonna get fun real soon. I'm sure. We just need to toughen up a little bit. Get a little more masculine there, Scott. All right. Well, while China is going unwoke, uh, America is going more woke. Oh, please tell me more. Specifically, Bank of America. Bank of America. And I got this uh, friend of mine, Carlin Borosenko. Um, I saw a video of hers that she talks about this. It's, it's a report that Chris Rufo did, who is a huge anti-CRT guy. Uh, probably one of the preeminent people yeah, against uh, CRT out there between him and James Lindsay. I mean, it's really, uh, they, they really break it down. Um, so, but it says uh, Bank of America Corporation has implemented ra- a racial re-education program that claims that the United States is a system of white supremacy and encourages employees to become woke at work and ready for this, instructs white employees in particular to decolonize their minds and cede power to people of color. Anything with re-education sounds like a winner. Oh, yeah. Um, China's got the re-education. I'm sure they're going to have camps soon that uh, make men more masculine while we make more men more effeminate. Um, which, again... I don't care one way or the other, but you know we're we're taking people and trying to we're we're trying to fix a problem that doesn't really exist mm-hmm. is what a lot of it is. But it says earlier this year, Bank of America's North Carolina and Charlotte Market uh, President Charles Bowman announced a new equity initiative called United in Action in partnership with United Way of Central Carolinas. Oh, and you know that they're honest. Well, yeah, the United Way, the ones where it's like four cents of every dollar actually goes to a charity. And the uh, CEO, the former CEO, got a golden parachute on her way out. Yeah, of course she did. (laughs) Because she did everything she was supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, According to documents that were obtained from a whistleblower... Bank of America executives launched the initiative by encouraging employees to participate in their racial equity 21-day challenge. I am so sick of that word, challenge. Yeah. It's a uh, race training program funded in part by the bank and built on the principles of critical race theory, uh, including intersectionality, white privilege, white fragility, and systemic racism. And if you're not familiar, White Fragility is a book by Robin DiAngelo where she comes out and says, Oh my God, I'm white. 
I am a racist. And so now that means everybody that's white is racist. And she's been going around the country talking about this at corporations. Best-selling book called White Fragility. It's, it's so stupid. I started to read it just so I could find out what's really in it. I couldn't do it. I could not continue reading it. Um, well, I thought we weren't supposed to see race anymore, and now they're trying to get us to see race everywhere. Uh, well, what is going on here? The, the, what's going on is they changed the definition of racism. Actually, I think it even uh, says that in this article. But um, it says that on the program's first day, Bank of America teaches employees that the United States is a racialized society that uses race to establish and justify systems of power, privilege, disenfranchisement, and oppression, which gives privileges to white people, resulting in disadvantages to people of color. According to the training program, all whites, regardless of one's socioeconomic class background or other disadvantages, are living a life with white skin privileges. Even children are implicated in this system of white oh, supremacy. Come on. According to the program materials, white toddlers toddlers develop racial biases by age three to five and should be actively taught to recognize and reject the smog of white privilege. I remember the, the uh, Arizona Department of Education teaches that we start to become racist by age three. <laughs> Good yeah. Lord. Um, but yeah, um, it says that uh, on race and race, racial identity, this goes to what you were just asking, although race has no genetic or scientific basis, the concept of race is important and consequential. Societies use race to establish and justify systems of power, privilege, disenfranchisement, and oppression. The notion of race is, is a social construct. Well, that's a fun one that keeps coming up social construct mm -hmm. designed to divide people into groups ranked as superior and inferior. The scientific consensus is that in science, science goes by consensus, obviously uh, scientific consensus is that race in this sense has no biological basis. We are all one race, the human race racial identity. However, is very real. And in a racialized society like the United States, everyone is assigned a racial identity, whether they are aware of it or not. And then, uh, where is it? It's there. Um, it says, people of color, on the other hand, cannot be racist because racism is used. Here's the new definition. Racism is used to justify the position of the dominant group and to uphold white supremacy and superiority. Therefore, the discussion guide claims reverse racism and discrimination are not possible. <laughs> yeah. God. Okay. All right. And then, well, I, I, I do want to read this one last thing, this list. A list of nine things. It says, uh, as people, this is from their materials. As people of a dominant culture, white people may be more likely to, number one, be unreflective and unquestioning about our cultural values and assumptions. Two, have a diminished capacity to persevere in the face of obstacles or discomfort. 
Number three, experience fear, anxiety, guilt, or shame around issues of race and react in broken ways as a result. Four, feel barriers to authentic and intimate relationships with people of color as well as, as well as with white people who have different opinions on race. I thought white people all had the same opinion on race. Mm. Huh. Number five, hold an incomplete view of God as our theology and faith traditions are shaped mostly or exclusively by a Euro-American perspective. Number six, contribute to racial tension, hatred, and violence in our homes, communities, and world. My God. Number seven. Oh, wait a minute. I can't say my God because I have an incomplete Uh-oh. view of God. Uh-oh. Uh, number seven, have more limited... I like this. Have more limited imagination and creativity due to complacency in the status quo. Number eight, have more... Hold on. Lim- what does that yeah. mean? What does that mean? I got to underperform? Okay. It says that uh, white people are more likely to have more limited... Exp- or, sorry. Uh, have more limited imagination and creativity... To do due to complacency in the status quo, uh. so I don't have to be imagine, imaginative or creative because I'm white and somebody else will do it for me, hmm. and then I can take advantage of that. Okay. Uh, number eight, have more limited exposure to the enriching cultures, perspectives, and assets of people of color. And number nine, last one, struggle to work across racial lines in addressing the shared concerns and contributing to an improved society. So if you're white, you don't want society to to improve. You have an incomplete view of God. You have a limited ability of imagination and creativity. And uh, you you experience fear, anxiety, guilt, shame around issues of race and react in broken ways as a result. And have a diminished capacity to persevere in the face of obstacles or discomfort. Nope. Good Lord. Nope. Nope. I, 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 oh. So, so here's, here's a couple of things. Uh, the first is ESG. We know that's coming down the pipe. And that's what this is referring to is ESG so that they get preferred mm-hmm. status for their stocks. Yep. If they're a good, <laughs> sorry about the windows, <laughs> but we're going to leave that in there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, to be in the ESG, which is uh, environmental social governance, to be in that social be, credit score. Yeah, to be in that club so that your stock gets preferred status, so your stock doesn't drop. Uh, you'll do these things. You'll do these things as a business, and a business, you know, it's kind of like a robot. Don't care. Need to do it. What's the bottom line? It's a race from quarter to quarter for what the for what the report is on the earnings report. Well, I've talked to C level executives and, and other executives in, in corporations, and they push this stuff and then leave and go. I don't. It, it's bullshit, but they have to push it. I know a lot of C level executives, and they <laughs> when they look at this stuff, they're like, "This is what we got to do." And I, I know they don't believe any of it, but they're just they're just plugging along. Uh, most of these people are close to retirement. Uh, they really don't care. They're just like, I just need to get out of here. 
uh, do mm-hmm. my do my part, do what I need to do, and get out of here. Make sure I've got good earnings, and then I'll check out. And never worry about this again. These people don't believe in this stuff. This is not what they're doing. They hire some firm to come in and teach this stuff as part of the requirements for their training programs. They hire out. I've seen this at companies over and over again, publicly held corporations. They hire somebody else to come in and do their training. They train however they want to train, and you get the box checked, and that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And this is not a corporate belief. And when when people look at these things and they're like, Verizon's doing this, Bank of America's doing this, such and such is doing this, it's not the belief of the corporation. The corporation's pretty much agnostic. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This is the training that they've been served on a platter, and they're like, well, this checks the box. Let's do it, and let's move on. Well, they're doing what they believe they have to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always the bare minimum. You always do the bare minimum, and you look at your peers and see what they're doing, and and you look at their stock prices and see what they're doing, and you just follow along. Well, and and the – well, you see, you know, the the real downside to this, outside of the fact, you know, all the issues that I just read, is that – Companies right now are having a really, really hard time finding qualified candidates. So, you know, once they institute this, how many qualified candidates are going to say, you know what, that's not who I want to work for. That's not the culture I want to be in. You know, I got lucky. I didn't realize it at the time, but back in the early 2000s, around 2002, 2003, Google was building a new operations center not far from where I lived. And their recruiter called me and they were looking for an operations manager. And it was like, I had like five phone interviews and uh, the first three were all technical. And those, you know, were no big deal. We talked about all kinds of stuff and um, they went well. The fourth and fifth one were managerial styles. And there were a lot of strange questions, um, you know, and I was expecting the typical if your employee is doing this, this, and this, how would you handle it? And it really wasn't that way. I don't remember any of the exact questions because, again, it's been a long time. But after I completed those interviews, I got an email um, telling me that they were no longer interested in, in pursuing a, a partnership with me, uh, that their my managerial style didn't fit well with theirs. Today, and when that happened, I was a little butthurt, you know, but I didn't know about Google's culture at the time. And today, I am really happy I didn't get that job. I'm going to agree with you on one point, and I'm going to disagree with you on another. So, uh, you you talk about there's not enough qualified candidates out there, but I've I've been on the job boards quite a bit lately. Uh And one of the things that they're asking for is they're asking for master's degrees in computer science. And if you're in the, if you're in the tech industry, a master's in computer science, even a PhD in computer science is ridiculous because you're, you're already eight to 10 years behind if you have that. So it's ridiculous, but they're asking for that wanting to pay somebody 50, $60,000 a year. Oh, good Lord. And 
you know, when you apply to these, they make you take this personality test every time and you take this personality test and these questions that they're asking are, are ridiculous. I mean, they're, they're not even most of them tech related as it is, but more, you know, a standardized test that they would put out for anyone that they would have work there. And it's a little bit ridiculous because like when I've had to take training before, the training was designed for frontline personnel. I'm a mm-hmm. back office person. Right. I'm not, uh, I never deal with the public. I don't right. have to deal yeah. with them. Uh, prefer not to deal with them. I'm with you. But I deal with, I deal with the executive management and that's, that's where my, and, and the people under me and then that's where my job stops. So, I think there are plenty of qualified candidates out there. It's just everybody wants the superstar and pay nothing for them, and they're not going to get it. Right. They're just not going to get it. Well, I've been I've been in the IT industry um, since it was before it was called IT. Back then, it was called ADP uh, a little over thirty years ago. And um, did they have computers back then, or was did. it just they an did. abacus? Well, it was it was uh, an abacus that had a robotic arm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we had to guess what was going to come out. Punch cards, all that. That was hard changing out all those reel-to-reels. Oh, it? those were, oh my God. Those were actually are a pain in the ass. Those and the disc packs. But no, what, I was saying, what I was getting at is, you said personality tests. Yeah. In my over 30 years in IT, most low-level uh, engineering, you know, computer guys have no personality. Are you saying that IT guys have difficult personalities? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that because I have a difficult yes, personality. Yes, I do too. So I'm not yeah, I'm not I'm not a social butterfly. God, God bless my wife for putting up with my crap. Yeah, I don't have one of them. Um because they only put it up with it for so long. You just but didn't find the right one. Exactly. Exactly. But no, um, you know, IT people tend to gravitate to IT because they don't have to interact with people as much. Right. We're a little socially awkward. Um, you know, and I'm saying that of myself. I'm not just in. Yeah, I would say it's a, a, a pretty good generalization of most IT people. It is. It's a, it's a different mindset. It really yeah. is. So, you know, we're not going to score on a personality exam the way an average person would score. Yeah. You know, a supermarket checkout person, um, a bank branch manager, a, you know, a factory worker. We're not going to score the way those people do. You know, we're not typically the, you know, get together on Sundays and, and drink beer and watch races kind well, a tip to all those HR managers out there, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When I was a hiring manager, I didn't do any of that. It was <clears throat> essentially, if, if they could pass my interview, which was mostly technical, I would have them meet the team they were working with. And, you know, uh, I would send them out to lunch or sometimes one-on-ones, you know, whatever. And then I'd have my team come talk to me and tell me, what do you think of the guy or woman or whatever? And, uh, you know, I go with that. 
Yeah, I hire based on potential. When I do hire somebody, I'll look at their potential uh, because it's kind of hard to go into an IT position and know everything in the environment that you're going into because no environment's exactly the same. Well, gonna, it's impossible. Yeah. It's and not, that's why master's degrees and PhDs are ludicrous in computer science. Yeah. yeah. Unless you want to be a professor. You look at you look at certifications. That's what you're looking for. You look at what they were last certified in, mm-hmm. when they certified, but... I hire based on potential, and when I bring somebody in, I ask them what they did and what they're looking to do mm-hmm. and where they want to go, and then I look at the certifications that they have, and if their certifications are 15 years old, they're probably not going to come on with me. Right. But if they've got certifications, they've certified in different things mm-hmm. in different areas, that tells me that this person's willing to grow. Because if you're not willing to grow, you're not going to make it in IT. If you're not willing to keep learning, then you're not going to make it. You're not. It's not dentistry. You just don't learn teeth, and then you go out and you fix teeth for the rest right. of your life. That's not the way that it works. No, I've always said that there are two things you need to, uh, to achieve in IT. That's an analytical way of thinking. And an unquenchable thirst for knowledge. Absolutely. If you have those two things, you can make it in IT. That's so, all I got. Okay, so we kind of went off on that. Uh, I forgot to play our theme song because you jumped right into that. <laughs> so here we go. I'm going to go right. ahead. I'll do a makeup here, and then I'll start with my news stories. All right, go for it. <laughs> Again. So the first thing I want to talk about, tad bit controversial, but I'm going to talk about yeah, it go anyway. For it. The Mad King Biden <laughs> mandates vax, excludes postal service workers union. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Uh, direct attack on the Constitution, you think? Oh. And McMaster from South Carolina will fight this to the gates of hell. All right. So Biden likes stepping on his dick, doesn't he? (laughs) He's good at it. Well, he screws up Afghanistan. Then a couple of weeks later, he comes by with mandating vaxes, which he said he wouldn't do at the beginning of the year. Of course. Now let's talk about what he means by that. All federal contractors have to be vaccinated or the government will not do business with them. Punitive punishment. Yeah. Do what I want or you won't get your money. Absolutely. The other part of it is companies with more than 100 employees have to be vaccinated. Wow. 100 million people, 100 million workers. Okay. So, there, there is a, a little bit of a caveat if your company chooses to use it is that you can get through that if you're tested weekly, which will probably be at your own cost to right, do so. Right. But, um, yeah, with 50% of the nation not vaccinated, unemployment and government assistance at the highest level yet, and let's do this. Oh, that makes perfect sense. What? Let's totally destroy the economy. And and I, I don't see how he can blame Trump for this one. 
What has Biden done right since he's been in office? <laughs> Man, I... <laughs> Seriously, I mean, I, I mean, I, even I, 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 okay, even I'm a little flummoxed on this whole. What thing. has he done right? Even you know, as a Democrat, you know, even if you are Republican, Libertarian, anarchist, whatever, what has he done as far as Democrat things? What has he done as far as campaign promises? What has he done? Correct. Sorry. What he's done correct as far as these things, I can't. I have struggled to find anything he's done well. Well, everything he's tried to do is undo everything Trump did, and that's been his major uh, guiding principle: is whatever Trump put in in act, let's reverse that. And, now, let, and let's be damned if it was anything good. Now there's still kids in cages. I want to remind everybody of More that. More still kids in cages. Kids in cages oh, no, still no, no, there. No, no. No, not still. Again, yeah, they weren't there when Trump left office. Hmm. They, I did not they, know yeah, that. Yeah, he, he put an end to that. Oh, oh. Well, I want to remind everybody there were kids in cages during Obama too. Obama built the cages exactly. So um, this is a direct assault on your freedom to choose. Mm-hmm. A direct assault. You know, my body, my choice, folks. Yep. My body, my choice. Yes. You want to scream it one way, you got to scream it the other. Well, you know, it, it all on that same line, um, several cities now, not a lot, but a few cities. I know Berkeley, I know San Francisco, and New York is trying to. They're mandating that any business that has indoor uh, an indoor area must require all of its customers to be vaccinated. Now, well, that's yeah, that's fine though. Well, I mean, I'm actually no. I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay with a I'm business. okay with re- refusing service as an independent business person. Yes, I am okay. I am okay if a with business that. says that. Yes, I'm fine with that. But if the government says no, it, that's what it is. It's the government telling the business. They must require its patrons to be vaccinated. Yeah, that's that's no bueno. Son. No, especially no bueno. especially look at the restaurant industry. You know, oh, yeah, they're, they're doing str- real well. Yeah, exactly. This is just going to hurt them even more. Oh yeah. Some of them are putting up uh, outdoor seating areas mm-hmm. just to try to combat this. Yeah. Well, this. I don't know how this can stand or else uh, it's going to crash the economy. Absolutely. I know already on shaky shaky legs. Well, yeah. In the company that I'm working in right now, 30% are vaccinated. And that, that is a real statistic. 30%. So you're telling me thousands of people are going to just walk out of the, I mean, uh, there's be a, a few of them. They're like, man, I'm really close to retirement. I'm not going to, mm-hmm. I'm not going to rock the boat. I just might as well get it. And then there's going to be a certain amount that are going to stand on their freedoms and they're going to go, I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. I am out of here. Vaccination or termination. Yep. And there'll be class action suits after this. Uh, wait, wait till the regime change comes. When the regime change comes, then stuff will be rolled back, and these companies will be sorry that they did it. Yep. The thing that I find interesting is everybody's included except for the postal service union. Hmm. Which 
Aren't they the largest federal employee block? I don't know that, but I know that they're making everybody in the military get it. Well, yeah, but the military, they fall under different uh, laws and rules. Yeah, because they're owned. Right. They're property yeah, of the yeah, U.S. Yeah, government. Yeah, you're, you, when you raise your hand and swear to uh, be in the military, you give up the Bill of Rights. You now fall under the UCMJ. It's a whole different set of laws and regulations. You are actually owned. Okay. You are a GI, which is stands for general issue. You are a number. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. That's what you signed up for as an individual, and you knew what was going. In, what you were doing when you went into yes. it. Now, yes. Now this is proactive. This is saying. You went to this job, and now we're requiring you to do this to your own body. Yes. And look, folks out there, we're not anti-vaxxers. No, we're no. free choice. Yes. Freedom of choice. If you want to get vaccinated, more power to you. If you don't want to, more power to you. Exactly. That is your choice. Absolutely. And you should be able to do that. And there's been arguments for and against. The thing is, is we have found out now that you can get it either way. Whether you've been vaccinated or not, you can still get coronavirus, period. That's out there. That's science, folks. Face it. And you can still transmit it, whether you've been vaccinated or not, if you have it. Fact. Science. They say believe the science, believe the science. And that's the science. So Well, look at the world's largest petri dish, Israel. Yeah. They're all vaccinated. All. And they're having issues just as if nobody was. Well. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a lot of countries you know that require you to be vaccinated to travel there. Yeah. A lot of those countries say that if you're from Israel, you can't travel here. That's anti Semitic. but they're all vaccinated yeah yeah so anyway getting away from from all that controversy Mm -hmm. the what we come down to and what this podcast is really about which is tech and freedom you know is my freedom to choose what i do with my body and now that it's been proven that you can transmit it or get it either way whether you've had the shot or not uh, what's what's the end game here besides getting the pharmaceutical companies more cash? There's, I mean, there's that obviously, and then there's the whole uh, let's see if we can make everybody fall in lockstep. How much of the population can we get to do what we want them to do, even if they don't want to? Yeah, and I, I watched live. I watched his press conference. And he was angry. I'd never seen anything like it. Well, I have, but I won't get into that. It was in the 40s. But um, he was visibly angry about it. Yeah, of course. And said, People aren't doing what he's saying you will do. You will. Look, folks, (laughs) you do the one thing, and then you do the next thing, and then you do the next thing, and then you do the next thing. And eventually you wake up and all your freedoms are taken from you. If you don't stand now, when will you? Well, they've been chipping away for so long 
that now it's come it's coming to a point where people are like you know you've taken so much away already we're not not this not now Mm -hmm. so i think people are finally standing up to this yeah and this is this is the straw people are waking up and that that kind of that scares the government it does. It does. Uh, eventually, they're going to have to lose their hold on on the people, and you'll always have that certain amount that will believe anything that the government tells them. I mean, they are totally in bed with whatever they've got to say. Me, not so much. Well, as long as the government says it's for your own good or for the greater good. Yeah. Well, that brings me, I want to roll into my next story, which is Big Pharma owns corporate media, but Americans are waking up and fighting back. Hmm. So what what do we mean by this? Well, you can do your own test. So go on CNN, go on Fox News, go on either one of them, and count how many pharmaceutical commercials that you see in the breaks. Do it within an hour. And see how many as compared to any other advertiser that's on there. Uh, you'll get you'll get probably three to one. Yeah. So um, just do that little test, and you'll see who owns corporate media. It's pharmaceutical companies. So there's there's been a lot of talk and speculation about this. In the case of, I don't know how you say this, uh, Invocana, it took 32 days before television outlets reported a single story story involving the FDA warning about the potential problems with the product. The FDA began warning about the extreme dangers of Cook IVC filters as early as 2010. It took about Five years before the media started reporting that to the public. It's worth pointing out that these instances, it was only through non-corporate independent media outlets like us that these stories were told at all. It was the outlets who weren't being forced. They were being forced to remain silent about the drug industry. Like government. Mm-hmm. Like the companies that you work for. Absolutely. Who's paying your bills? If they're paying your bills, you're you're going to be a little quiet and you're not going to say anything. So unless you're Pfizer and want to put J&J out of business, <laughs> you're, you're not you're not going to see very many uh, adverse or negative stories about the no, of course not. about the pharmaceutical companies. Of course not. Because they support media. They support the news. They're paying the bills. So they control corporate media and they can, you know, take the money away. Uh, you can replace that with any drug, whether it be Xarelto, Roundup, uh, C eight, Viox, Talcum powder, any of these things. If they're paying the bills, the news corporations are going to keep quiet about it because you're talking yeah. billions of dollars. Yeah. They're doing more than just keeping the lights on. Yeah. Yeah. So 
you know, look, folks, people used to talk about big oil. Now, big pharma, man, that's mm-hmm. the one. You don't touch that stuff. Uh, you might get killed. <laughs> you might get suicided. Yeah. And, you know, thank you, Bill Clinton, for allowing the ability for medications to be uh, advertised straight to the consumer. Yeah, we're one of two countries that are allowed to do it. It advertised direct to mm-hmm. consumer. I mean, there was a loophole found in the 90s uh, with Claritin. As long as they didn't mention that it was uh, medication itself, you know, and talking about the medication itself, it found a loophole to do a commercial. And then uh, Bill Clinton's FDA decided, well, you know what, let's just lift the restriction, which a lot of doctors hated because people were coming in all the time. Hey, how about this drug? What about this drug? I heard about this drug. Well... According to Open Secrets, Big Pharma spent more than $58 million on politicians in just 2016. Wow. You don't think that bought any influence, do you? No. Yeah. No. Well, and, and I think uh, a big misunderstanding with people is the, the vaccinations are free. They are not free. The government... Mm-hmm. Pfizer's not giving these away. No, the government is paying for them. We're paying for them. Exactly. Taxpayers are paying for them. Yes. They put the money out yes. there. They bought them from Big Pharma. Yep. And Big Pharma's getting paid retail. Retail. Yeah. They're not cutting us a break. No, not at all. Huh. Which, you know, that goes to Trump and his administration have proposed a mandate for uh drugs to show their list prices on commercials if you want to if you want to advertise you have to put your list price on yeah. the commercial yeah and that was supposed to go into effect and then biden shut that down as well yep well when it comes to lobbying few industries spend more than big pharma did last year they spent a staggering $244 million to influence our elected leaders in Washington, D.C. Hmm. Do you know, as an aside, do you know what company spends the most lobbying uh, the federal government? Insurance companies? Google. Google. Oh. Yeah. Google spends the most lobbying uh, the federal government. As of a documentary I watched last night. Hmm. And if you haven't seen it, it's called um, The Creepy Line. Please watch it. Holy crap. I mean, I knew a lot of the stuff, but there was stuff in there I didn't know, and I feel a little bit more enlightened You know, I, and scared. I feel really... I'm really blessed because I'm almost half a century old. I don't have any chronic illness. That's visible anyway. Probably mental illness. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of that. Well, that's that's <laughs> indisputable. But uh, I don't have any illnesses, uh, so uh, not not. I've I've had family members that have had chronic illnesses, and and look, my heart goes out to you if you have something that you have to have medication for. Uh, I have a family member that has severe asthma and has to take medicine for that, and that stuff is very, very expensive. By the way, I just got emailed again. You probably heard that. Oh, there it is again. Maybe I should close down Outlook. Hold on, huh. folks. <laughs> 
All right. So um, we are not professionals. We are definitely not professionals. But, you know, my heart goes out to you and and there are medications out there. You know, it's not all pharmaceuticals are bad. I mean, there's some stuff out there that really helps people. But when you start trying to control other people with exorbitant prices, I mean, especially what they've done with with uh all of what they did with insulin yeah insulin and the EpiPens. yeah i mean a 300 percent price increase i mean my god man how much money do you really need overnight overnight for so, the exact same thing yeah yeah and it's it's uh how much money do you really need you know holding people hostage for their health more is always better and that's basically what's happening now is we're being held hostage for our health. Yeah. Um, your health is one of those things that you will always pay whatever it takes if you have it. Always remember this phrase, folks. The money's in the treatment, not the cure. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I mean, this is drug dealing. You know, introduce it to them and then keep them coming back. Uh, my sister has high blood pressure, and at one time, she was taking four different medications for her high blood pressure. Mm. You know, all they did was kept adding on another one. Yeah. Until she finally found a doctor who was like, whoa, this is not right. Mm-hmm. You know, now she takes one, one medication. She was taking four. So instead of, you know, fixing the issue or doing something about the issue, it was just... Hey, take another pill. Take another pill. Take another pill. A pill for every ill. That's it. All right. Well, let's see. A little bit of <laughs> fun one. We're gonna talk about some. I like ho- fun. We're gonna talk about some horse paste. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe Rogan got COVID and took ivermectin among other drugs. Yes. Which many other which he can afford because he's a hundred billionaire. Which was prescribed by a doctor, administered by a doctor. CNN says Joe took horse dewormer. (laughs) Not only CNN, but NPR, MSNBC, they all said the same thing. So, (laughs) you know, um, one of them, I can't remember who it was, CBS? Maybe I can't remember exactly who it was, but one of them said that he had taken Avermectin, which is a horse tranquilizer. Yeah. I'm like, no, dude, at least try to get it right. Right. Well, here's a little clip from that I found on on the Internet. His response. Bro, do I have to sue CNN? I know, do you? They're making shit up. They keep saying I'm taking horse dewormer. I literally got it from a doctor. It's an American company. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, They won the Nobel Prize in 2015 for use in human beings. Yeah. And CNN is saying I'm taking horse dewormer. Yeah. What? So well, they I'm must know that that's a lie. Well, there's a lot of people saying it. <laughs> right, but a lot of people can say it. Okay. Like yeah. the internet says it. Who cares? Sure. But, but CNN is right. saying it. I think that the last part of that to me is is key because th- there is a distinction here. So. <laughs> So yeah. they lied. What? 
CNN lied. No. CNN, NPR, MSNBC. Let's see. Yeah. They told a lie. You mean like saying that it's a medication for horses and it's not to be taken by humans? Yeah. Like forgetting the fact that it won the 2015 Nobel Prize in Medicine for use in humans. (laughs) It is a known antiviral. Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. It cures river blindness. Malaria. In humans. Mm. Yeah. But why would they say that? Why would they say that? Probably because it costs like pennies on the dollar. They're selling packets in India. Little uh, bubble bubble uh, bubble packets. Blister, blister packs. Blister packets, yep. that's it. Um, for three bucks. Mm-hmm. It's got that. It's got zinc. It's got like three or four pills. And they're selling them for three bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no money to be made there. Ah. Also, if there is a therapeutic for COVID-19, it takes away the emergency use clause. Yes. Mm. I'm not going to make a determination on there. I'll, no. let, I'll let the folks out there make that determination. No, no conspiracies there. I think the, the news media just effed up with that so, one. So if I'm watching CNN... And I'm noticing that uh, a third of their commercials, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure it's more, but say a third of their commercials are from Big Pharma. Boner pills. Boner pills. Pfizer. And so they're being paid billions of dollars. And a story comes up that says there's something more effective then your boner pills, should I tell the story and possibly lose out on that billion-dollar contract? No, no, you should try to debunk it. Or should I bury it. that story and talk about horse paste on an anal applicator? Yeah. <laughs> or horse paste on a cracker. Everything's, horse paste on a cracker. <laughs> everything's better on a rich. Yep, horse paste on a cracker. Yeah, look, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, don't go down to Tractor Supply and get ivermectin. Oh, Please God, don't no. do that. Please no. don't do that. Where Nobody's saying to do that. God, no. Nobody's saying to do that. But that's what they're saying out there is that's what people are doing. They're saying that people are going down to Tractor Supply, getting some horse paste, putting it on a cracker, eating it, and getting poisoned. What did you hear about the Oklahoma doctor who said that um, the hospital he works at is getting overrun with people that are doing this, between that and people with COVID, that they have no ICU beds left, that they're short-staffed, that they don't have capacity, even if somebody gets in a car accident, to take care of them. The very next day, that hospital put out a press release saying, that is a bunch of bullshit. Okay, they didn't say bullshit in the press release, but they debunked it saying, we have plenty of space. We are not overrun whatsoever. And that doctor didn't even work there. No. No, yeah. but he said he did. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I wonder how many of those have happened. Like the New York hospitals with their, you know, ambulances lined up and they're full in capacity and we're building tents. 
And we've got refrigerator trucks out there to hold all the dead bodies. Yeah. And wasn't there a ship that was cruising up and down, uh, right outside, uh, cruising up and down the Atlantic right outside of New York that they were going to use? Yes, yes. Um, I, I, once I heard of that. The death I cruise. Never, yeah, I never heard of it again. <laughs> the death cruise. We'll just put all those yeah. people out there. We'll yeah. take... Uh, Como, Cuomo will take them all out of the nursing homes where he's killing the old people's, killing Granny smacking fannies, and then uh, he'll put them on the boat and let them go on a death cruise. Oh, I want to see him come up on charges for what he, not only the fact that he put those people in nursing homes, essentially sentencing people to their deaths, and then the whole cover-up of it all. I want to see something come from that. It won't. He's a politician. Nope. It'll never come, come to, come to light. He's immune, unfortunately. Mm. Mm. He and his brother Fredo. Well, that's all I've got for news. What do you got? I'm good. I'm done. We're all good. All right. Well, the only thing I have in uh, UFO news. Hold on. <laughs> And it's UFO news, and not a whole lot there. So <laughs> <laughs> this marks the uh, 70th anniversary of the Lubbock Lights. So in Lubbock, Texas, a place near and dear to my heart, and if you've ever been there, there's not a whole lot out there, uh, on August 25th, well, August 25th, this is the 70th year, but that's not yeah. to the date, a group of Texas well, a Tech University professors gathered at one of their homes for a casual hangout around 9.20, the professors reported seeing about 20 to 30 blue-yellowish lights fly above them. They said the objects were bright as stars and were traveling in a southern direction. They must have been going to Mexico to uh, go get some tequila, I guess. Uh, in a 2003 interview, Pat Allgood said that same night he saw the very similar found formation at a drive-in movie. So the <laughs> the group of Texas Tech professors contacted the Air Force about the sightings because they were confident that they what they saw were not meteors. Mm -hmm. uh, the events later would be known as the Lubbock Lights, <clears throat> and so this is one of those uh, classic formations of you know a V formation of of lights, and and nobody knows if that particular thing is a one craft or many different crafts mm -hmm. and it's been reported it's like, both ways. like was seen um over phoenix several times yeah like a yeah. boomerang sort of and i think uh the same type of thing was seen over mexico city a few times yeah I know it's, a lot of things have happened over mexico city yeah yeah uh probably all the acid down there <laughs> well there is that <laughs> maybe um <laughs> Oh, math, the acid. But anyway, um, not a whole lot to report on that. I just kind of wanted to throw that out there because we do talk, try to talk about UFOs every time, but that that's uh, dried up as of late because everything else going on going in the on. world. Yeah, yeah, and I uh, really don't have any conspiracies. But uh, I mean, we could get into the whole nine eleven thing, but <laughs> half, <laughs> we, the, half the shit we talked God. about today. We're, would classify as 
conspiracy theory. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, uh, on the 9-11 thing, and this is not, not conspiracy, you know, again, I want to say thank you to all the service members out there who served in, in any Middle Eastern war, or any war for that matter, any conflict that, that has been out there, uh, whatever the whatever the motivation was for that war, thank you for your service. And we do appreciate it, and we appreciate people fighting for our freedom, our freedom to do this, our freedom to speak our opinion, whether it be right or wrong or informed or misinformed for that matter. Um, thank you so much for doing that. And we do appreciate it. And we, we never want to forget, even though people have 20 years later, we never want to forget what happened on that day. Yeah. There's a lot of people that have either forgotten or they don't understand um, and, and it's been 20 years. So a lot of people who are now adults or close to it weren't alive then. That's true. And a lot of people that are young adults were only one, two, three, four years old. They don't remember it. And we have to make sure they remember. And we have to make sure they know and they understand the importance of what happened that day. The fact that we were attacked on our own soil by foreign invaders something that hasn't happened since well pearl harbor in uh hawaii before that i think it was the war of 1812 yeah the white house yeah yeah you know this is we've always thought ourselves you know kind of impenetrable because we're so far from anywhere well they proved on that day they could get to us and they used our own equipment to do it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, just remember, folks, we're out there thinking of you if you're in the armed services. And again, thank you for your service. Yes. Every day I think of, of my service uh, brothers and sisters that are out there. Um, I was in the Army. And no matter what branch you are in or were in, thank you so much for your service. And folks, we'll be back next week for another episode. And hopefully I'll be feeling better and over this cold. So <laughs> thanks, right. everybody, for listening. Hey, hey Scott. Oh, Scott, yeah. stay safe, buddy. Yeah, stay safe. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, my email is scott at techtools.net. That's scott at T-E-K-T-O-O-L-Z dot net. And I am dean at techtools.net. Thanks, and stay safe. <laughs>